Welcome to the People Powered Community Podcast, where we dive into the inspiring stories of go to market professionals who have leveraged their skills to create strong and lasting connections within their community. Get ready to be inspired and learn how you too can harness your business superpower for good. Hello, and welcome to the People Powered Community Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Greenwood, CEO and founder of Chief Evangelist Consulting. Today, I have the extreme pleasure of welcoming to the show the CEO of Growblox, Tony Hobine. Hi, Tony. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Leslie. Ugh, I'm so excited. We've been uh, talking off and on and of course seeing you on um, in the community in LinkedIn and you have your own podcast. So it's not like I don't have any um, like a little bit of podcast uh, jitters here um, hosting a very established podcaster. So I'm really appreciative that you're spending your time with me today. Wonderful. I'm very much looking forward. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, we are going to talk at length about you and your superpower and you know how that relates to community. But first, let's get to know you. Tell us um, who you are, what you're doing now, and kind of how you got here. Yes. So I'm Tony. I'm the CEO of Growblox. Um, and um, basically, I've been in B2B SaaS now for the last 10 years. Um, really started in a super small company, did a couple of things. Uh, almost all over the place. Started then to go deeper into sort of revenue operations uh, topic. We only really found out later that what we were doing was called revenue operations. So this is stuff that we did in 2012, 2013. Uh, we even called it commercial operations and, and, and so forth. Now looking back, it's like, well, this was actually revenue operations. So, But the lucky, the lucky part here was that this company took off completely. So I joined as like number six or seven on the payroll. Now it's a um, thousand people. Um, and basically, uh, you know, was like very lucky that, you know, that happened and that was able to ride that wave. So spent three years for the company in, um, stateside in New York, built out the U S office, the U S market. Um, and then throughout a couple of funny coincidences, uh, basically, uh, became the CRO of the, of the unit. So this was around, um, uh, 15 million, I think, 15 million ARR, um, mm -hmm. and really the CRO meaning marketing, sales, CS, the whole the whole thing, mm -hmm. scaled this whole thing up to 50 million. Uh, then we did the exit, and um, then I joined another team here also in uh, in Copenhagen, Denmark. That's where I'm. That's where I'm, you know, located. Um, and basically, kind of also a CRO game, uh, also very much uh, focused on scaling up. There was a couple of more bumps in the road because we were focusing on restaurants and cafes and so forth and it was like a you know just just before the pandemic hit basically mm -hmm. but also that went great um you know did an exit one and a half years later um and then basically took my revops cro lens on growing businesses and growing you know revenues um, and decided to flip this into growblox um, and basically you know that's what we're doing we're taking a data-driven approach um, and helping organizations to know accelerate their revenue growth or be more efficient in that right um and that's what i've been doing with my two co-founders for the last one and a half years actually um that's the story in short awesome well uh i didn't i kind of lost count how many exits were in there two 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 okay. exits yeah that's uh pretty pretty impressive um i want to i still I know need to from... work though you know <laughs> say that again 
I, I still need to work though. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't these. <laughs> anyway. That's true. I ha- I can say I have one exit, but, and I was employee number six, but it, um, you know, wasn't life changing money, but it was a nice redo of my kitchen. So, you know, it worked out. Yeah, there you go. Um, I want to go back to something you said, which I think is, um, part of the story that we've talked about and, you know, the way we, we've interacted before, um, is that you had, when you said I was a CRO, which meant I was in charge of marketing CS and sales. And so, um, I know this, but give the, give the listeners a view of how you feel, um, about RevOps, like what RevOps, where RevOps should live who, what a CRO should look like, like what your, whatever you call it, your uh, special sauce for a CRO. (laughs) So, so uh, maybe going two steps back. So what's the, what's the usual makeup of a CRO? It's usually uh, a sales leader that uh, goes from VP of sales to, Hey, we need to find a bigger title for that uh, guy or that lady. And let's give it the CRO title. Right. And um, I think the majority of CROs have sales and CS, few CROs have marketing as well. And there's all kinds of debate on, you know, CMO, CRO, and, and who should report into whom. Um, and I think some of the, um, some of the reasons why folks think it's a bad idea to have the CRO take the whole spectrum is, um, because maybe they're coming out of a sales, um, sales leadership position, right? And I'm potentially a little bit biased in one or the other direction. My perspective is, um, and again, this is, you know, I'm biased myself here, but if you come from a revenue operations perspective, which had as, you know, my whole career, basically, uh, I had to look at the full revenue engine, not just at sales operations or marketing or CS, it had to be the whole thing, right? And uh, using that and applying that to a, a revenue leadership function, I think is extremely powerful, right? So you basically come in without some of the, hey, this is how it should be done in in this team and we need to organize all the other teams to optimize for, in this case, potentially sales. You come up, you come into this with a much more um, neutral perspective, but also you're not the expert in any of these specific functions. So you kind of come in with a, um, I feel, an in, in, in open mind uh, and and I listen to the different, you know, function leaders and, and, and try and support them and, you know, achieving what they want to achieve and really, your job at the end of the day, and that's very similar between revenue operations and uh, and the CRO, is to make the orchestra not just play at the same time, but play together. Right? Kind of this is this is how you need to think about it, um, and and RevOps is good at that. I think one caveat though is um, if you have a CRO, if you want to have a CRO before ten million, which I think generally is a bad idea, but let's see, at five million, I think RevOps uh, a RevOps leader is probably the wrong person for this. I think a RevOps leader in, in the CRO spot is when you have all the different functions well established, when it really becomes a silo problem that you're trying mm-hmm. to solve and you want to consolidate that with, you know, one one leader. Uh, then I think is extremely powerful. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks for sharing that because I know from our conversations that's something that really stuck with me and it makes a lot of sense, especially when I look at from the CS world, you know, we're always on the end of the the list for you know yep. the those services etc so i think having that more neutral larger spectrum um thinking person is something that would again unsilo but then let all aspects of the company have access to the kind of knowledge and um, expertise that a revops leader would bring in so absolutely double down on all of that um all right awesome well let us go into your superpower um 
you know, I have a little bit of my take, which I think we've just talked about is like kind of the way I, I love the way you think about that. But let's talk about your sub- superpower. Um, what's what do you think that is? So it's um, I've been I've been doing a little bit of soul searching uh, leading up to this podcast. Like, hey, what's my superpower? I even <laughs> approached my um, my co-founder and was like, Olaf, what is what actually is my superpower? Um, and uh, after a little bit of back and forth, um, even asked my wife and everything. But after a little bit of back and forth, I think um, I think I like to build stuff. You know, building things is is something that um, that I think I'm pretty good at actually. And then obviously, what is building? What does that actually mean? And um, uh, you know, I went a couple of steps up in the on the abstraction layer. Right, I could have done well, revenue ops and CRO and you have your revenue engine and you build that. Um, but I think building things also extends to teams. That is also something that you need to build and need to understand and, uh, you know, to a degree have like a blueprint and an architecture around it, right? There's some teams that just won't work out, so you need to navigate around this. Um, and then ultimately now, uh, building a product and building a company, right? And I really, really enjoy that. Um with all the ups and downs, and I think that's um, that is something that is uh, part of wanting to be a builder. Um, whenever I say builder, I'm like, oh, Bob the builder. But you know, I, basically, kind of, if you're building things, uh, it's it's part of the ups and downs, uh, mm-hmm. and and enjoying that enjoying that journey, right? And um, um, I think. I think that maybe is my superpower. Maybe, maybe you're making me realize this now, Leslie. Oh, well, I'm so honestly, I'm just like when you said you had to think about it, talk to your wife, talk to Oliver. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. I love that I've made you think <laughs> yeah. on this. Um, so, where do you think that came from? So, um, you know, where where do you see that originating and and starting to show its show its face? Because yeah. it didn't start last week. No, um, no, exactly, and. Um, and we were joking before we, you know, hit record. It's like, hey, this is net new content. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Maybe I need to come up with stuff on the fly. But it's like literally. Um, so this is this is um, potentially stupid, but you know, I like to play with Legos. You know, maybe maybe that's where it started. You know, those little building brick things that you put together. Um, but I think much later on, it actually, um, uh, I for the longest time in high school, I wanted to become a lawyer. Um, and then I went to work in a, a law firm for a year as a, like a part-timer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at the stuff that the, uh, lawyer bosses were doing and I was like, I don't actually want to do any of that stuff. Um, so, you know, my whole, you know, I have your, I guess, adolescence or something kind of grow up and, oh, I want to be a lawyer and law and, you know, I want to help people get out of like tricky situations. Um, that suddenly, you know, toppled over, um, and then I was like, okay, what's next? Let's do, uh, let's do, you know, software engineering. Uh, for for whatever reason, let's not get into this. But I think this was the first thing where it's like, hey, building something maybe is there. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing though is, in my in my high school time, I was like very much a, um, you know, optimizing for the amount of. So let's just say I'm lazy, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm in like order to get into optimizing as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in order to get into law school, right? So things that need to be good at is. Uh, you know, languages and, and, and some of these kind of things. Um, you don't need to be great at math. So which which I ended up, you know, not, you know, spending too much time on. Um, what you need to be good at for software engineering is math, apparently. So I didn't get into I didn't get into that school. Um, and then I went into business because apparently you need to don't need to be good at math and business. Um, but basically then, you know, uh, I started more and more thinking, 
what am I going to do in business, right? Um, and then it became consultant or uh, investment banker or auditor. And then I did an internship in auditing. I did some consulting work, uh, worked a little bit in private equity venture capital firm. And you always have this uh, passenger seat thing, uh, which I really, really disliked, which is you're sitting there, you're kind of the drivers, then, you know, whoever, uh, whoever bought you or rented you, mm -hmm. um, basically saying like, hey, um, uh, there's a brick wall coming in front of us. And then the driver's like, yeah, well, well, I don't see it. Uh, and, you know, shifts, shifts up a gear. Uh, and you're like, hey, you know, you need to you need to do something. You can't keep running against this wall. I mean, there's, you know, something's going to happen. And I think um, I just couldn't deal with that. Actually, I couldn't deal with not being in the driver's seat. Uh, doesn't mean that I need to be the CEO all the time. It's not about that. But being this um, only the advisor piece, I think it didn't, I really didn't like that. And then I started working in tech, early, early tech uh, uh, company. Like, you know, it's a little bit my story and I really enjoyed that. And have ever since enjoyed it. And I think this is where, you know, this is the arc between Lego and, uh, you know, building a tech company in Denmark. You know, that's, that's probably where this is coming from. Originally, by the way, I'm from Germany. Uh, so I'm not native here to Denmark, but uh, I guess that's that's how that's how this whole thing fits together. <laughs> oh, very good. And I, I love that um, when you said I went into, and especially in light of what you do today, um, I went into business because I guess you don't need to be good at numbers. Now let's talk about today's <laughs> SaaS businesses. <laughs> you kind of need to be good at numbers, or maybe that's why you built Growblox because it actually does a lot of the the analyzing for you no so the so maybe maybe but i i gotta i gotta say once once you know tony brain went into oh wait a minute i need to be good at numbers guess what i became really good at numbers so math statistics all of that stuff was suddenly not a problem anymore um so i can't i can't pull this card um and to be honest and uh in RevOps, very numbers heavy and obviously i was also involved in some of the funding rounds going on so i had a bit of a hybrid role uh very much uh, math and numbers. I mean, at the end of the day, even funding, you know, it goes to the extent of, you know, multiplying something, uh, adding something and the percentage off. <laughs> so it's, yep. it is, what is it? What is like a fifth grade math or something like that? It doesn't go beyond that. Right. But, uh, still having a, a understanding how these things hang together. I think that's, that's probably important. And that's, that's what you need also for, uh, you know, in SaaS and all of those metrics and, and have a, I think what you need to be in SaaS in terms of numbers driven, uh, you need to be literate. That's almost mm -hmm. how I would kind of talk about it. You need to understand it. You need to be able to easily weave it into your conversation. And when someone else uh, converses back with those uh, words and or numbers, it, you kind of need to get it, right? Um, it doesn't mean that you need to be able to, um, I don't know, solve some math equation or something mm -hmm. like that. It's more of the analytical approach. You know, you can see the, you see the mm. numbers and the inputs and that tells a story yeah. naturally in your brain, um, whether yeah. you did the numbers yourself or not. So I can definitely see mm. that for you. What do you do today to kind of, I mean, obviously I think one of the reasons, one of the answers is I'm in it every day, but like, do you do anything right now to kind of like continue to hone that builder skill in yourself? Still play with Legos? Um, <laughs> I'm actually waiting for that to happen. Uh, so my, my, my biggest one is two and a half and it's still too early. I think they can play with it when they're like five or something. I think there's, you know, I think, you know, in terms of accidentally swallowing those pieces, I think he's beyond that threshold, but he's not there yet motorically to have fun with that stuff. 
So I'm very much looking forward to uh, Tony all day Christmas of, you know, on Christmas Eve, getting the present. And then basically nothing else matters. I just sat there and for, you know, the rest of the evening, you know, piece these things together. Uh, I can't wait for that to be my gift to my son and then, you know, do the same thing with him. Uh, both of them, you know, when both of them kind of get to that point. Mm -hmm. No, I think the the other part of building is, um, and this is, you know, what I uh, really enjoy now and haven't haven't had the uh, chance to to enjoy earlier is building a product. You know, it's um, uh, the, the other parts and components of building an organization in terms of the people, you know, the capital structure around it and, you know, how you finance everything and how that stuff flows. I've built this many times. The, the, the one thing that I'm now building for the first time, and it's not me, with it, you know, uh, one of the, uh, Andrew, one of the co-founders, CTO, CPO, he's building the product, but obviously as a founder, you're very much uh, part of that and uh, really enjoying that um, and really enjoying to, you know, someone, someone said new ideas and also new products. They're a little bit like children, you know, when they're just there, they look pretty ugly and they're really not that useful, right? And it takes nurturing and building and helping and and seeing what this this boy could mm -hmm. grow into mm -hmm. um, to uh, to keep up with it, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's the same with products to a degree, right? It's kind of it's there. We're kind of rolling to our first customers. People are gonna come in and look at it and be like, Tony, that that product sucks. And that's gonna hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna hurt like when someone says your baby is ugly. Um and, uh, and 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 then kind of over, overcoming this, understanding the truth and and what you're what you're hearing there, it's super important. You can't just you know block it away, um, and then fixing it. And and the fixing piece is really really difficult because you only have so much time, you only have so many resources. You need to figure out what is the important piece to fix here. So I guess all of these different little problems, and there are a thousand more. I really like solving them actually, and uh, and piecing it together, and and building this, and seeing it grow. Um, and I guess this is how I'm honing my 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 building my building capabilities these days. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, I asked yesterday on LinkedIn for some sales books for kids. I think we can just take mm -hmm. this part and we'll we'll we need to create a children's book <laughs> because exactly what you said about building your product is I would transcribe that directly to building children. I mean, I have mine are older. Yeah. I no longer have to, you know, generally keep them alive every day, but just the principles that you <laughs> outlined and the parts that you go to, like when the preschool teacher tells you that your kid bit someone, you have to yeah. kind of like assess that and fix that quickly with your limited resources and time because yeah. you're already about to pull your hair out. So, yeah. so, so similar. Um, let's talk about community. I know you're, um, active in a couple of communities. You're obviously very active on LinkedIn. You have an amazing audience. You know, how do you think about, you know, this, um, superpower and how that relates to how you think about and, um, participate in community? Yeah, I'm, uh, so I'm actually, I'm a terrible community member myself. Uh, that's, that's what I found out. It's like, it's, it's sometimes difficult to jump on those Slack channels and be super active around it. Um, but the, the aspect of community that I really enjoy is, um, it feels very easy and seamless to get in touch with a lot of other people suddenly, right? You have this one common thing that kind of connects you and that could be a topic, could be revenue operations. It could be, uh, could be a community, could be other things. And suddenly, you know, when you and I kind of met the first time, it's not like we had a, you know, oh, we need to get to know each other. It kind of immediately you jump into a completely different conversation um, and you're much more familiar with one another, like from the first second almost. 
which is, I think is super powerful. I really enjoy that. And, and tying that back into the, the, the building bit, um, the, but when I think about building, um, you know, what are the obstacles that come with it? It's, um, it's a lot of failure and it's a lot of building the wrong thing. It's a lot of building it in the wrong way. It's, uh, it's making wrong decisions and screwing up. And, and the way I would, you know, like to, uh, participate in communities or that I am, you know, in however you formulate that community, uh, um, concept is to share from my uh, mistake pool. You know, everyone has a very large and ever growing mistake pool. Um, and if you, if you find ways to share that pool, uh, you can maybe, you know, prevent some other people from making the same mistakes. And I think that's super powerful. I think that's really interesting. And I also think it um, creates a really cool conversation um, where then again, you learn, right? Or, or, oh yeah, I had this mistake as well. And, you know, that's how I dealt with it. And, and you basically kind of then grow from that perspective. And I think that's, um, I think that is super powerful. And it's also something that um, uh, I feel also for the last two, three years has only been accelerating and growing. And then bef before that, this community aspect uh, and maybe you can you can share some of your like uh, deeper thoughts on that. But I mean, when you think about church and religion, I mean, there's a very strong community aspect there as well, right? And uh, when you think about how uh, people lived in villages, right? Saying hi to each other on the street, you don't have this anymore, right? So there's a lot of these cravings of people that actually want to have a community. Um, and uh, it's funny that some of that can be properly facilitated through LinkedIn and Slack and Zoom and so forth, right? So it's... Uh, it's pretty powerful, actually, and especially then with this, um, uh, you know, building peace in mind. I think it's, it's, it's insane. Uh, you know, twenty years ago, uh, it's not like I could just easily have a conversation with some people that are leading in a specific space. You would never, you would never even dare to do this. It's almost like a celebrity or something like this. Mm -hmm. Now on LinkedIn, I connect to the person, chat him or her up, and it's like, hey, wanna wanna catch up over a coffee, and then. You know, Calendly or Chili Piper links are being exchanged, and then suddenly you 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 talk, right? And and I think that is that is super powerful. That's coming out of it, and it's also helping to um, uh, you know, us as a it's uh, very kind of very zooming out as a community as a whole, getting better, right? It's kind of this knowledge sharing on its uh, its top, and it uh, that can that can help us probably you know be be smarter going forward. Mm -hmm. I also think you know when thinking about community and you and building a product you know, a really good way to get your product feedback is having people around you, whether that's a formal community and informal community, people talk about building in public, you know, getting that almost instantaneous feedback that allows you to develop faster, to make pivots faster, mm -hmm. maybe avoid um, a challenge. Are you using community in that respect right now? Like as do you have a group of beta users that are using your product and giving you that kind of fast feedback? Yep. So I think there's a couple of different things we're actually doing. So for uh, uh, better customers. Um, obviously, there's there's uh, very clear we have Slack channels for very quick conversations and and and, and feedback. Um, we're actually also using a pool of um, you know subject matter experts in the field. Uh, mm -hmm. That it's not a specific cadence, but basically every other week we have a, a product feedback session led by um, the product management team and the product design team, and they have things that they're working on. Just want to get some feedback on, right? And then. Um, Basically, kind of through that we get feedback, um, and um, and I think an, another piece to how to use community, um, 
And I've gotten and I've written about this in my revenue letter, you know, I don't know, I feel like half a year ago was probably just two months ago or something like this. <laughs> but basically the the idea was if you have an enterprise grade product um, where you struggle to build a, a product led growth motion around it, which you know it's all the rage. Everyone wants to do PLG. Uh, and obviously the 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 awesomeness out of PLG is it's super shareable. You get in and feels free customer acquisition, right? Um but if you have um a product that just doesn't lend itself to this concept because of the setup is uh, difficult or maybe it is very expensive or, you know, wh whatever the obstacle might be, um, you can uh, use a community around that as almost a uh, word of mouth product, right? So you make it very easy suddenly for someone that is close to you and maybe your company and maybe your, uh, your product, even maybe it's a user, make it very easy for that person to suddenly share, hey, you, sh you should be part of that community um, because it's very difficult for that person to say, hey, you should buy that product for, I don't know, $100,000. I mean, it's, well, by the way, we are cheaper than that, but, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a really high barrier of entry for someone to be saying like, hey, you should buy this thing that's super expensive. Um, but you do create an opportunity for that person to say, hey, you should join that community. And then through that community, this person is obviously who's behind that, what's this about, and oh, is the, this is Growblocks, and what do they do? And oh, actually, I need this, right? So you basically kind of create this um, this shareable uh, word-of-mouth uh, mini-product, mm -hmm. which then, you know, is, is obviously a community. And, you know, one step further, that if if you really see it like that, the, the downside is, I would say, it also requires a lot of work and resources and thought in... You know, you're basically designing a mini product on the side. You, you know, it's it's not just it's not just opening that Slack channel, giving a name, posting on LinkedIn, and 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 you're done with it. There's a lot of thought that needs to go into it uh, in order to make it really appealing, uh, and also for people to start sharing it and talking about it. Right? <laughs> yeah. You have to create value continually over time. Um, you know, come mm -hmm. in once, say hello, that's great. But if I don't continue to get value, I mean, I have if you could if I shared my screen, you would see twelve Slack channels on the side. I'm probably yeah. active in four because when I go in, I get value, um, I participate, et cetera. So you have a really good perspective on, you know, like what it takes to build a community. I'd say the one thing I'll just add for you in the stage where you're at in Growblox is, um, which we've probably already talked about, but just like some spot consulting here is just make mm -hmm. sure that you have a point of view on how you want to treat your customers from the moment they interact with you. It's like, what does mm -hmm. that mean? I know your product's different, but like, what's the experience they're going to have? How are you going to be memorable to them? Because any product itself mm -hmm. is, you know, not life altering um, yep. in a way that people are going to be like, oh, you, I, I love the product. No, I love the experience. I love how the product changes how I work. I love the way the company makes me mm -hmm. feel. And so you're at that stage mm -hmm. where you can be very hands-on with those clients. Mm -hmm. And so just think about that little extra, the extra that you're going to give them as part of being part of your... No, absolutely. And, and I'm so... No, 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 exactly. And kind of this is also part of our conversation, actually. It's just, um, you're almost designing a B2C uh, product here. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's almost, you know, you need to think about it like that and you need to be able to, because it's also a subscription, if you will, you know, whether you pay for that or not, you need to create something that is valuable over time, right? And, and doing that and making this, this work out and making this uh, compelling for people in this very increasingly so busy community marketplace, when you think about it, um, really difficult, right? And, and it requires some real thought around it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, well, awesome. Well, let's, um, let's transition a little bit to like, 
you know, thinking about people coming up behind you, someone who is a builder and they've used it in different capacities. Maybe they were the Lego person or they're just that the person that loves that. What kind of advice would you give them on how to like continue to hone that skill or work on it so that they, um, you know, see some of that fruits of that labor going forward? Yeah. Uh, build something that you think you can't build yet. <laughs> That's what I would probably say. You know, if you're really good at building Legos, then stop building Legos, you know, build something else now, go, 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 you know, uh, build something more difficult. Um, and I think it can start small with building a team. Uh, I think in a RevOps setup, it would be building a system, you know, thing, uh, to hold all of it together. Um, and, and as you, as you do that, you, you know, eventually will come to the point, okay, I can build teams now. Um, let's talk about, let's build revenue. Right. Let's let's have a let's have a thing being around that that suddenly is more difficult. Right. Suddenly it's not just you interacting with the direct people around you. Suddenly you need to build something that is compelling then for other people. If whether or not you're like a sales leader or something else doesn't matter right now. Um, and you know, try and try and always find this next little step forward um, that you didn't dare take yet. Right. And it's it's this typical corny, like, oh yeah, outside the comfort zone. And it's true though, right? And mm -hmm. and I think the 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 reason the reason why this outside the comfort zone is so uh so important is that's the mistake space. This is where you're gonna screw up. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, and no one ever learned anything from you know being successful. Uh, what you learn from is the failures. Uh, that's where I look back with shame. It's burned into, your, at least in my memory, it's burned mm -hmm. in my memory. I take something away from it. Um, and that's how I get better, right? So if you if you keep building what you're very kind of familiar with, um, I think it's going to be difficult for you to get better. It's, you know, take take the stuff that you uh, that you feel uncomfortable about. And, and yes, of course, there's a balance, right? You shouldn't go from, I don't want to stay in this Lego, <laughs> you know, analogy here, but you shouldn't go from Legos to building the Empire State Building, right? That that shouldn't be the jump. There should be something in between. And, and finding that for you, I think that's, um, uh, that is the next step uh, always. And it will probably always be. Yeah. You can also that. build a family, actually. You know, family building is also a thing, you know. Yep. It's, don't want to take that away. <laughs> As we talked earlier about our, our, our children's book and RevOps and how they go together. So absolutely. Well, there you go. Tony, this has been such a terrific episode. I really appreciate you taking time to share your story, your superpower um, with our listeners. Um, I know they can find you on LinkedIn, but is there anywhere else they should be looking for you? Groblox.com. Um, and uh, there it's like, you can sign up for the revenue letter. Um, you can sign up for, we're doing kind of a live show soon. Um, and obviously you can check out the product, you yeah. know, especially if you're in RevOps or if you're a CRO, check out our product and, um, you know, hit me up. Awesome. Well, those will all be linked in the show notes below. Um, I get Tony's uh, revenue operations letter. I will say, although sometimes I don't understand it, it is a very well-written newsletter and I enjoy it. So I do read it every week. Um, but folks, that's all for today's episode. Uh, we thank you for taking the time to listen and we will see you next week.